So how small are we feeling this morning? It's pretty small in comparison to all, isn't it? And this morning what I want to do is just have a look at God's great creation and see where we fit in uh, to that. Looking at a few things, um, hopefully it will be interesting to you. Uh, and may even surprise you, like, like this star here. This isn't any star, this is a neutron star. And neutron stars are extremely dense. That doesn't mean they're stupid, uh, it means that they're pretty heavy. Um, in fact, if they're so heavy that if you were to go up to a neutron star with a teaspoon and you were to take out a teaspoon's amount of neutron star and try and hold on to it, it would weigh the equivalent of a JCD. That's amazing, isn't it? But actually, it's even more amazing because the truth is it would weigh the equivalent of 62.5 million JCBs. That's how heavy and dense neutron star is. And there are so many of these things across the universe that show us God's greatness and His glory. And there's nothing that we can do to compete with that. So for example, this is the fastest known, this is the fastest known jet in the world. It's called the X-15, the North American X-15, and it travels at 4,474 miles an hour. Does anyone know what decade this jet is? In? 50s. He's did things well in the 50s. If you remember the 50s, I tell you, they're not making it like that in my day. 4,474 miles an hour. That's 18 times faster than the Bugatti Veyron, which is considered one of the fastest cars in the world. If we take this X-15 and we compare it just to the Earth, you know the Earth is travelling through the solar system as well at a speed that is 15 times faster than the X-15. There's something called the Andromeda Galaxy. This is it here. This is travelling through the universe 45 times faster than the X-15. All of these things happening across our universe. And even in our own solar system, there are amazing things. Things that we take for granted. Does anyone know what this is? We don't, you don't see it a lot in Middlesbrough, I know. Uh, this is the sun. And you know, the sun is so important to the Earth. The sun provides the Earth with 99% of its energy. The sun converts 4 million tons of energy every second, and its output varies less than 0.01% every year. The sun is a constant, always there providing us with our energy. It does all of this at a distance of 93 million miles. But it's, it's 93 million miles away from us, but it is so beneficial to our living. If we didn't have the sun, we wouldn't have life. We need both the sun and the moon. Do you know that the earth doesn't stand up straight? It's a little bit like me, or a teenager. It slouches a little. It slouches at 23 and a half degrees. The sun, uh, sorry, the earth sits at a little bit like this. And there's a reason that it's sitting like this. It's because the sun and the moon are having a game of puzzle war with the earth in the middle. And the sun is pulling at the earth with 40% of the gravitational pull. And then the moon is pulling, the moon's winning, it's 60%. Don't feel too good for the moon. The sun is, remember, 93 million miles away, so it's got a bit of a disadvantage. So the sun and the moon are pulling at the earth, and that's the reason that the earth is up. This Access, and the fact that it sits at this axis is what causes the Earth to spin. If, the, if this wasn't going on, the Earth wouldn't be spinning. 
And that might not seem like a big deal, but if the earth wasn't spinning, half of the earth would constantly be in the sun, and half of the earth would constantly be in the darkness. Half of the sun, half of the earth would burn up, half of the earth would freeze. We need the earth to spin in order to have And you know, there are lots of these little things that are needed for the earth to find life. It's called the science of fine-tuning. Christopher Hitchens, he's a well-known atheist. Both Christopher Dawkins, sorry, both Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens say the science of fine-tuning is the one thing that makes it possible to argue argue against the architect's design. The science of so for example, if the Earth wasn't 93 million miles, sorry, if the Sun wasn't 93 million miles away, if it was 92 million, or if it was 94 million, we would have no life. We would either burn up or we would freeze. If the Earth wasn't at 23 and a half degrees uh, sitting at that axis, we wouldn't have life. If hydrogen didn't convert to 0.07% of its mass into helium, we wouldn't have life. If there wasn't 21% oxygen in the atmosphere, we wouldn't have life. If there wasn't 3.5% salt in your blood, funnily enough, the same amount of salt as there is in the sea, we wouldn't have life. If just one of those things changed, we wouldn't be here. And that's just fine. There are hundreds, there are thousands that are needed in order for us to have life. In fact, someone who works out with the science of fine-tuning and says that the, the, the odds for finding life on any other planet are the equivalent of picking a pound coin or any coin and flicking it up and getting a head and flicking it up and getting heads and flicking it and getting heads one quintillion times. That's the odds of life on Earth. So the next time someone argues with you about the existence of God, take out a pound toy, or don't, don't give them a pound, give them a penny. Give them a penny and ask them to try and get heads in a row that number of times. This is the evidence that there is for God. And yet sometimes we still have the argument. And people still don't believe. And it's foolishness is what the Bible says, and we should be bold enough to call it foolishness as well. If you were walking down a beach and you saw a sandcastle like this, you wouldn't believe that it was the wind and the waves that made it. You would be convinced that that had to be designed by someone. Someone has come and taken the time, had an idea, and executed that idea for a purpose. It's what we see when we see things that are clearly made. The Bible says that we are clearly made. It says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are made. And anything that is made is made for a purpose. Anything that is designed is designed for a reason. This verse says that we are made for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This says that we are made to walk with God. We are made to have a relationship with him. You know, we're getting to the Christmas season now. won't be long before it's all Christmas sermons that you're hearing, which is great as we think about uh, Jesus coming down um, from heaven to rescue us. Fantastic. But you know, there's another reason why I get excited about Christmas. Uh, it's this house here. This house is two streets over um, from my house in Madison. 
and you can see here the Christmas decorations are up. I took this picture in June. <laughs> the guest house keeps the Christmas decorations up all year round. All year round they are up. They're not switched on, they're just up. They're ready to go. It's too much work to get them up and take them back down again, so they decided we're just going to keep them up there. So on the 1st of December, I get so excited as I drive past this house and I see the lights coming on. It thrills me. And any other time of the year, I get a lot of but disappoint. I get a lot of that. Because there's so much effort that's gone into this house to make it this beautiful, <laughs> but to make it this presence in the street and to be lit up and to display Christmas. And in January, it's all there, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. And in June, it's all there, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. This house has a purpose. It's been designed for something, but we only see it one month out of the twelve. I says, we are designed for a But what's our reason? Why are we here? You know, if you were to ask this man here, do you know who that is? Usain Bolt. If you were to ask Usain Bolt the reason for his existence, why are you here? He would surely say he was here to be the fastest man in the world. That's his purpose. That's, that's his That's how you, when you say Usain Bolt, you think of him being the fastest man in the world. Of his 30, I don't know, 35 years probably, around about that, his whole life has come down the whole life has come down to 9.58 seconds. That's what's going to define Usain Bolt for his, for, for his whole life. 9.58 seconds. Surely he's made for something more than 9.58 seconds. Surely all of us are made for something bigger and greater than we can accomplish on our own. You know, the Bible says, Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep commandments. And we don't like to talk about fearing God because we misunderstand what the Bible means when it talks about fearing God. Quite often when we think of fear, we think of being afraid. God doesn't want us to be afraid of this. God wants us to fear him. So for example, I'm not afraid of a lion. Lions don't keep me up at night. I don't worry about lions. I don't worry about them coming into my house. I don't worry about meeting them in the street. I'm not afraid of lions. But if someone asked me to go into a cage with a lion, I would say no. Because I fear them. I understand the lion is bigger than me. I understand the lion is stronger than me, faster than me, bigger teeth than me. I understand that the lion is not someone to be trifled with. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to fear him. He wants us to recognize that he is bigger than we are. He wants us to recognize that he is the one who has made the whole of creation. He is the one who gives us our very breath. He is the one who holds our life in his hands. He wants us to recognize who he is and how great he is and to keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man to recognize who God is. Bible says whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. 
This is what we are here for. We are here for God's glory. Just like the heavens display the glory of God, so we too display the glory of God. When people look at us and speak to us and think about us, we, they should see the glory of God. And so we see God's glory across the universe, but we can see it someplace else as well. We can see it when we look at ourselves. Because we too, our bodies are designed. And each and every one of our bodies is unique and special and gives glory to God. This is a message that many young people need to hear. Because there are so many young people that we work with and they are ashamed of their bodies. They don't believe that they're made with any value. They don't believe they're made with the image of God. And it leads to so many problems. And we try and convince them that their bodies are made for a purpose and their bodies are amazing. Their eyes, your eyes, are absolutely astounding. So much having to come together and work together in those eyes. 110 million cones, 7 million rods, 1 million nerve fibers, all working together so that you can see. All of that has to come into perfect alignment. Or think of our brains. We've got 500 million cells. Some of us have a few less, uh, but most of us have around 500 million cells. Trillions of neural connections, all doing over a trillion computations a second, and every brain unique. If we take everyone's brain and put them on a table, we know that they're all different. Every brain is unique. And the reason for your uniqueness, the reason for your, um, yeah, just for how special you are, comes down to this, DNA. DNA, this is a picture of a double helix here, which uh, came up by a man called James Watson. He thought of the double helix one night while he was dreaming. Don't know what you do when you're dreaming, but I'm not thinking about double helixes. Uh, But James Watson, he thought of DNA when he was dreaming one night. And DNA is the book of life. It is the code that is written all the way through our body that tells our body how to reproduce cells, where everything should be going. DNA is the code of life. And you know, this code is in every single cell of your body. And if you were to unravel the DNA in every cell of your body, you would uncoil six foot worth of code in every cell of your body. That is enough. And every here, that is enough to get from the sun to the moon and back again. 400 times. That's how much code is written in your body. That is God's signature written, written in every single one of us. The Bible says, for you, were create, you, created my in, you, for you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are made wonderful. I know that too well. I pray that each and every one of us this morning can say those words. I know this full well. I know that I'm wonderfully made. I know that I'm designed for a reason. I know that I've been made for a purpose and that to have a relationship with God. To bring glory to God. To live in my own. I pray that we all know and understand that. Because we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we were thinking about the eyes. And when you think for a second about someone when it came to his eyes, they weren't fearful and wonderful. They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't working well. Let's put it that way. This man was called Bartimaeus. 
Bartimaeus is sat outside of the city of Miracles. I sat there with a friend who also was a blind beggar, and they shouted out at anyone who went past, they would ask for help, they would ask for arms, they would ask for money. And one day, Bartimaeus heard that someone special was passing through Jericho. Someone amazing. This was someone who was passing by and performing miracles and doing great teachings and changing lives of men like Zacchaeus and Jericho that day. And when he heard that Jesus was coming, he got so excited. He knew that this was his chance. He knew that Jesus was the one that Jesus had to meet. And so when Jesus started to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. But the crowd was huge and the noise was loud. And Bartimaeus shouted again, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Eventually, the crowd started to get a little bit annoyed of Bartimaeus and here for the likes of you. He's not here for the beggars. He's not here for the blind people. He's here for the important people. He's here for the rich people. He's not here for you. And they told them to be quiet. somewhat hasn't it it's went from it's went from shut up you beggar to get up Jesus wants to meet you you know they're thrilled they think they're going to see a miracle here and they are so excited about it you know they want to see a miracle that will last for a second Bartimaeus this is the difference between the crowd and Bartimaeus and Jesus comes up to Bartimaeus and says what can I do for you a strange question He's a blind man. He has to beg because he can't see. He's only got one friend. Surely Jesus knows what this man wants. But he asks the question anyway. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. You know, Jesus asks these questions of us when the answer is blatantly obvious because he wants us to know. He wants to know that we know what the problem is. What do you want me to do for you? Surely our biggest problem would be, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, bring me back into that relationship with God. Is that what we would say if Jesus said to us, what do you want me to do Or would we say something different? Would we say, Jesus, I'm having real troubles with my car. I'd really love a new car. Jesus, I'm really, really struggling with this bill. Could you help me with this? Surely our greatest burden, our greatest need that we ought to all recognize is that of our sin, the broken relationship between us and God. If Jesus says to us, what do you want me to do for you? Surely we cry out, save me. Surely we cry out, save me. Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. 
And you just go ahead and be, he said, actually, go and be well. These five years now is what saved them. It's what brought about power. And it's the same for ourselves. If we want to be saved, then we need to have faith. Faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the cross, faith in the cross, faith in the resurrection, faith that Jesus has done it all and we have done nothing. If we have that faith, then we are creation. Jesus said to back to me, go here, well, go do what you want. Go wherever you want. Bartimaeus has been begging for, for so long. Surely he wants to go into the city. Surely he wants to see friends, family, any of these types of things. But no, when Jesus says go, Bartimaeus says, where am I going to go? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Bartimaeus opened his eyes. He saw Jesus. He didn't want to see anything else. He didn't want to see anyone else. He just wanted to follow his Savior. And so he did. And as Jesus left Jericho, he left Jericho for the last time. Everywhere that he passed, he passed for the last time. He was heading to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem he was arrested. And he was caught. And he was beaten. They took his clothes from him. His clothes were the only thing that Jesus had. The only possession that Jesus had was his clothes. They were taken from him. Crown of thorns, and they whipped him, and they mocked him. After they were done, after they were bored, they, they gave him his cross, and they got him to carry his cross out of Jerusalem onto a hill on the outside of the city. They got someone else to carry the cross for some of the way, and the cross was taken to this hill. They put on top of the hill with two other crosses. It is shined burglars, robbers put on his, on his side and Jesus was put in the middle and he was on that cross for six hours the creator of the Andromeda galaxy the creator of the neutron star the creator of our solar system the one who placed the sun just exactly where it needs to be put himself on a cross to die he was on that cross for six hours darkness and he paid the price the wrath of God was put on him the wrath that we deserve he took the price and he stayed on that cross until the job was done until everything was paid for until we could have access to God once again Chapter 2, verse 9, we read this is what the scriptures mean when they 
they know I have seen, no ear has imagined, no mind, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. You think of the most beautiful sight that you've ever seen, the most beautiful sight of creation that you have ever seen. It does not compare to what God has in store for us, for those who love Him. This is the great promise that we have. Yes, we have a great creation and we can see a great creator. But for those who love him, for those who give their life to him, there is a greater creation awaiting us. There is a greater hope. There is a greater promise. And I trust that we all put our faith in faith and trust in Jesus Christ and place our hope in that new creation. Father, we thank you for our time this morning, this afternoon, Lord. We thank you for your son. Father, we thank you, Lord, yeah, that he holds creation in his hand, Father. We thank you, Lord, that he is so great, that he is so worthy, that he deserve, is deserving of so much glory, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that despite of that, he stepped down from heaven. And he came to this earth, Father, and he gave himself up for us. Father, we pray, Lord, that the magnitude of this won't be lost in any one of us, Father. I pray that each and every one of us would know just how precious and how valuable we are in your sight, Father. We pray, Lord, that we would truly believe that we are the center of your creation. Father, that you love us so much that you gave us your Son. Father, we pray, Lord, that you each and every one of our lives, Father. We pray, Lord, for those who are trapped in darkness, searching for the light, Father. We pray, Lord, that they would find the true light of the life, Father. We pray, Lord, that they would find Christ. We pray, Lord, for those who are followers of you, Father, but who who are falling behind. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would draw them close to yourself, knowing just how valuable and precious they are. Father, I pray, Lord, that you bless our time together this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name.